Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. It's so good to be with you today because we've got some life-changing things to talk about. And let's start with this question. Do you want more joy in your life? Now, let me ask that again. Do you want or desire or long for more joy in your life? It's kind of like asking a kid if they want more candy. Yes, please. No doubt about it. People want joy, but joy can feel so elusive. We all desire it, but often struggle to find it. We search for it, but often fail to grasp it. We want more joy in our lives, but find it fleeting. Here's the truth I want you to grasp. God wants you to experience joy. He desires for you to live a life of joy, to be a person of joy, to spread joy, to live a joy-filled life. You know, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit, joy. Get this, there's a proven biblical strategy to finding joy in your everyday circumstances. This proven time-tested strategy is found in the book of Philippians. People who have wanted more joy have discovered the secrets found in this book and discovered joy. Over the next four weeks, we're going to learn them and how to implement them in our lives. There's four simple attitudes that we can apply. Maybe not easy at first, but simple to understand and possible to implement. Each week, we'll use Paul's letter to the church in Philippi as our guide for how to discover joy in our everyday circumstances. Each week, we'll study one chapter, so it'll be easy for you to track with the conversation. I don't know where you are in life and what you've been through, but what we're about to learn is truth, and it works, and not just sometimes, but every time, because it's based on God's word, the one who created you. Some background is important. Philippians is a book in the Bible that was written to followers of Christ by a church planter named Paul. He's under arrest for preaching Jesus, and he writes a short letter to the community of Christ followers in a city called Philippi. This is a very personal letter to people he knew very, very well. He writes this letter in part to thank them for a financial gift, to encourage them, and to correct some things, but also to remind them of the joy that they have because of Christ. Now, the book is divided into four chapters. There's 104 verses total, and Paul used the word, get this, used the word joy 16 times. You do the math. On average, that's every six to seven verses, he throws in the word joy. Here's a guy who's under house arrest, and he has joy. I'll have what he's having. Now get this, Paul uses the word mind 10 times, the word think five times, and once he used the word remember. In all, he used words referring to the mind 16 times. That's the same number of times that he used the word for joy. Is that just an interesting coincidence? Maybe, but the secret to joy is right here. Paul realizes we don't control outcomes. We don't control the weather and politics, and we don't control traffic, and all that we may try, we don't control other people's behavior. Ultimately, God is in control. So what can we control? We can control our mind, our thoughts, 
And that's what Paul was getting at in this letter. By his example, he's encouraging them and us to focus our minds on Christ and live according to our position in Christ, not our condition. And let me show you what I mean. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to the saints or to God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. Did you notice that Paul wrote to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi? This is their position. This is a part of the identity that Paul wants them to embrace. It's very important. They are saints. Not because what they've done, but because of what Christ Jesus had done in their lives. While it was true that they weren't always behaving in a way that was, well, saintly, they were God's people, and that made them saints. This is important because to accept what Paul teaches about finding joy in everyday circumstances, we have to first accept who we are in Christ. It's very important. If you are a believer, then you are a saint. Living a life of joy starts with accepting who we are in Christ. If you want to know what a saint looks like, just take a moment and look around the room. All the believers are saints. Is your teenager a believer? Then, yep, saint. I bet you didn't know that saints could look so normal. This is their position in Christ. This is also your position in Christ. God wants you to experience joy. But do you believe that? Not some fake, happy, slappy, plastic religion joy, but deep, lasting, impactful joy. You can have it. You can live in joy. Sounds easy, right? But there's a problem. Just as much as God wants you to have joy, you need to know this. The enemy wants to rob you of it. Now, let me repeat that. What God wants for you, or the enemy wants to take from you. He has, after all, come to steal kill, and destroy. So while God has strategies to live a life of joy, unfortunately, the enemy also has some strategy to rob you of joy, and he is sneaky. And those strategies of the enemy, if you allow them to take root in your life, will steal your joy. We're going to identify both strategies so we can embrace what God has for us and avoid that which robs us of joy. Now, we'll get into more detail here during this series, but it's paramount to know the overarching strategy that's found in the book of Philippians. Here it is. Focus your mind on Christ. Focus your mind on Christ. And this makes sense because at the end of the day, lasting joy is found in Jesus, not in circumstances or a job or other people or everything going just right in our lives. Lasting and life-changing joy is found in Jesus Christ. Now write this down. Focusing your mind on Christ allows you to live according to your position and not your condition. Let me say that again. Focusing your mind on Christ allows you to live according to your position and not your condition. Conditions change. They waver. The last few years provide evidence of this. Conditions change. If you've built your joy around circumstances, you've become like a thermometer. 
Your joy constantly changes upon the condition, whatever, depending on whatever the condition is that you're encountering. Rough day at work, and joy seems to disappear. A little struggle in finances, well, joy is gone. Bad news, and joy gets blown away. Joy is fleeting and greatly wavers whenever it depends on your circumstances. Whatever the conditions are, the thermometer will display that condition. Instead of a thermometer that constantly is changing with the conditions that it encounters, we want to be more like a thermostat. Thermostats are different. The thermostat, see, controls the temperature of a room because they have a set point which controls the temperature of the room. As my conditions change in life, no worries, I focus my mind on Christ who is unchanging and I find a sweet spot in life that allows me to live according to position and not condition. Focusing on Christ gives a proper perspective of everything else. Joy is found in Jesus. And as we read chapter one, watch how focusing your mind on Christ allows you to live according to this position and not your condition. Now, before we read, I don't know if you're a note taker, but during the next four weeks, pretend that you are. A powerful tool for learning is just to make notes about what strikes you, thoughts that occur to you while you're listening so that you can go back and think about and apply what it is that you've learned. That said, let's get to it. This is gonna be fun. You ready? All right, here we go. We're gonna start with chapter one, verse one, uh, rather chapter one, verse four. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do, do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, 
whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you, all of you, for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it is for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul has every reason to lack joy. For starters, he's in prison chains. I think this could qualify as a non-joyous circumstance, but check this out. Paul focuses his mind on Christ, leans into his position in Christ, considers the conditions, and he is able to say, live or die, not sure exactly what will happen, but God is on my side, so I'm finding joy. And he realizes God is using painful, hard, and difficult circumstances to advance the gospel. His hardship has had the opposite of its intended effect, which is crazy. It's like he's saying, my situation is hard and I know that you Philippians are concerned for me, but I've been praying for you to grow stronger in love for others. And yes, I'm confined, but my confinement has had the opposite intended effect. At least I know it's gonna all turn out well. I know that everything that God wants to do in and through me will be done, whether I'm alive or dead, I'm with the Lord and serving his purpose, and I'm good with that. See, regardless of how you look at what was happening, Paul was joyful. How is that even possible? What made the difference? What was the reason for his joy? It was all due, are you ready for this? To his mindset. Where was his focus? On Christ or circumstances? Paul doesn't ignore his circumstances. This is important. He's fully aware of them but he doesn't let them determine if he was going to have joy. His focus on Christ allowed him to reframe his conditions. Now listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. Our interpretation of difficulties determines our response to them. I'll say that again. Our interpretation of difficulties determines our responses to them. And our interpretation of difficulties is determined by our mindset. Paul believed that everything God wanted to do in and through him would be done. He believed that anything that had happened to him passed first through the hands of God. He had what I call the single mindset. He believed that everything happened for a reason. 
And while it wasn't always pleasant, it was always purposeful. That was his mindset. He defined his, he defined his current circumstances through the lens of faith. He trusted God. Imagine if Paul had a different mindset. You realize that he could have just as easily seen everything from a different perspective. He literally could have interpreted the situation differently than he did. Humor me for just a minute. Let's turn this thing, this thing around. What if his focus was on his circumstances and not Christ? He would have been thinking, what am I doing in prison? This is terrible. I need to be out talking to people about Jesus. This is super unfortunate. Well, I might die. What then? I'll be gone. I can't believe this is happening to me. After all, after all I have done, I can't believe this is happening. Now, these thoughts all seem rational. Anyone would understand that mindset, but it doesn't align with God's truth. See, the enemy would have loved this. For Paul to be self-absorbed, for Paul to take his eyes off Christ, for Paul to focus on his circumstances, for Paul to lack joy and be despondent. You see, Paul embraced truth and it did not allow the enemy to rob him of joy. Paul's focus was on Christ. So where's your focus? Where's your mindset? On Christ or your circumstances? Because when your mind is focused on Christ, it changes how you see circumstances. That's the single mindset. Paul was constantly aware that God was with him and working through him. Paul had joy, but his circumstances were not joy worthy, or were they? It depends on how you look at them. Paul's mindset as he looked at his house arrest was to ask this question, how is God using this to his glory? He saw that his circumstances had become his pulpit. He said, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul had plenty to worry about. He was a political prisoner facing possible execution. Seems like that's a good time to worry. His friends in Rome were divided in their attitudes toward his case. He didn't have a mission board or a legal aid society defending him at all. If there is ever a time to look at your circumstances and to worry, this would be it. And yet, he chose instead to set his mind on Christ. And because he did, he found joy. I wonder how God is using your current circumstances to advance the gospel. Maybe you take some time and you share with the group right there. You know, recently I was visiting with Francisco and Sarah Villa, who are missionaries leading a microchurch in Stanton, Texas. And what occurred to them as we were talking and what occurred to me is that God is using a difficult situation in their life to advance the gospel right there in Stanton. And they, they can tell you the story or I can provide you with the written story. But our circumstances, while maybe being decidedly inconvenient, are the platform from which God advances the gospel. Here is Paul in the worst of circumstances writing a letter of joy. Why? Because he saw how God was being glorified. It's your perspective. Our interpretation of difficulties determines our response to them. Joy is the result of a mindset on Christ. We're literally one thought away from joy. Not that it's simple, but that it's a process. That's what Paul's point is in the first chapter. So he encouraged the people to rejoice regardless of circumstances. I think the same 
to be true for every one of us. Like Paul, we must cultivate the right kind of mind. This is not self-help or simply self-affirmation. We're talking about fully embracing God's truth in our minds and allowing that truth to reign over any competing thoughts. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to transform our lives through a renewed mind. Whether times are happy or sad, good or bad, we can make it our goal to please God by setting our mind to see how God is working. That's how Paul could report his circumstances accurately and at the same time, see God at work. Are you more like a thermometer or a thermostat? Are you allowing circumstances to dictate your joy level? Or are you single-minded in the way that you live, just focused on Christ? Your choice, where to focus. The enemy wants you to focus on your circumstances. God wants you to focus back on him. Ask the Lord every day for a single mind to trust him so that you can find joy no matter what your circumstances are. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, I thank you that the, the word we just heard is absolutely true. I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt, Father, that you are at work in and through every single one of the lives who is listening and participating in this conversation right now. Father, I pray that you will give each one of us eyes of faith to see how you are using circumstances as the very platform for spreading the gospel, for advancing the gospel of Christ. And we give you thanks. We pray, Father, only for courage in our hearts and our, our minds focused on Christ and we pray, Father, that you will be glorified in the name of this sweet and precious uh, name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.